Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The latest from 7 News with Angela Cox. Good evening and welcome. Tonight, vaccine trials for under 12s as more young people become eligible. Investigation underway, the alarming COVID outbreak in a Melbourne school. The future of international travel, according to an industry insider, and live to New York ahead of Prince Andrew's pre-trial proceedings. But first, more Australians than ever before are now eligible for COVID vaccines. In the past 24 hours, more than 133,000 doses went into arms. That brings the total number of vaccines administered nationwide to 22.8 million. By the end of October, we're set to hit the first reopening target of 70% double-dosed. At this rate, 80% of the country should be fully vaccinated by mid-November. Those targets do not yet include our 12 to 15 15-year-olds who from today were able to receive Pfizer jabs. Political reporter Rob Scott is standing by in Canberra tonight. Rob, this could be the key to getting millions of children back to school. Yeah, that's right, Ange. Not only for the kids who are eager to get back to the classroom, uh, but also to see their friends and, of course, for many of their parents who have really struggled with homeschooling during lockdowns. And today there was a little dose of hope for all of them with 12 to 15-year-olds now able to book in to get a Pfizer shot Pfizer shot at their GP or at a Commonwealth vaccination clinic. And with the arrival of a million extra Moderna doses from Europe uh, due by the end of the week, it will be offered to everyone 12 and over from next Monday. Now, as for when those under 12s can expect a jab, that may be sooner than you think. Trials are underway overseas and they're producing some uh, pretty promising results. Pfizer says it expects the US drug regulator to clear its vaccine for emergency use in 5 to 11-year-olds within weeks. Authorities here, including uh, the Federal Health Minister Greg Hunter, are keeping a close eye on that. Uh, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk says that vindicates her position from a couple of weeks ago when she was threatening to walk away from the national reopening plan until she'd seen evidence on how that could impact under-12s. Well, what I say is that it's good to see that the Federal Health Minister has finally caught up on the international research and the trials that are being conducted. Um, this is exactly what I raised a few weeks ago. Um, this was why I was attacked. And um, I think it's uh, good to see now that the Federal Health Minister has caught up with that international research. There's no doubt vaccination rates here in Australia are climbing, but international experience shows that once you hit 70%, it's very hard to get to 80%. So with that in mind, the federal government has released a new advertising campaign hoping to use life's simple pleasures, such as going back to the pub or just getting a haircut, to motivate those who haven't got a jab to go out and get one so they don't miss out once the country does eventually open up. Let's hope it works. OK, Rob Scott for us in Canberra. Thank you. A Melbourne school at the centre of an alarming COVID outbreak has denied encouraging parents to send their kids to class despite the lockdown. Sonia Marinelli joins us from Melbourne. Sonia, the government is investigating this situation. 
That's right, Ange. They certainly are. The health department is now investigating the circumstances leading up to the outbreak, including if Victoria's strict COVID-safe measures were breached by the school, actively encouraging parents to bring their children to class. It's understood that just under half of the school's 130 students have been attending during lockdown six. It's not the first time that the independent school has come under fire for flouting the health orders. It was slammed for recklessly opening during lockdown one. Here's what Melbourne's COVID commanders said today. There are also conversations on the way with the school to understand that the geography, as we do with any school, the geography and the layout of the school, uh, obviously we've had at the moment schools are only open to, uh, to children of, of essential workers. So we'll be working through with them to understand who's been in and out of the school, what their movements and contacts have been and, and how strong their COVID safe plans have been. And Sonia, there's been a crackdown on Victoria's construction industry. Yes, and the state's construction industry officially has been placed on notice with growing concern construction workers are spreading the virus at a rapid rate. One construction site in the city's outer east has 120 cases. So there's a range of measures that will be put in place. There's 50 enforcement teams that will be visiting sites across Melbourne to ensure they're complying with the COVID safe rules. And workers have been advised against using communal tea rooms. And there's also a major vaccination blitz underway. From today, traders will be prioritised at seven vaccination hubs around the city. There's 20,000 priority Pfizer vaccine appointments on offer and unlimited AstraZeneca doses available. So that will make it easier for those workers to walk in off the street and get their jabs. It's hoped that the Blitz will not only help boost vaccination take up, but also help the state reach its vaccination targets so that vaccinated Melburnians can start to enjoy some of those freedoms we're now seeing in Sydney. Ange. Indeed. OK, thanks so much, Sonia. Well, there were emotional scenes in Greater Sydney today with fully vaccinated people now allowed to gather outdoors in groups of five. Thousands were quick to take advantage of the new rules. Have a look. I haven't seen anyone since quarantine started. Tell you what, this is probably the best bacon and egg roll I've had in a long time. Well, I texted my daughter yesterday. I was speaking to her and I said, we're going down the river to have breakfast. Are you coming? She's like, yes, we're coming. You know, it's just great to be out. Just great. Tom Saker is live in Sydney for us tonight. Tom, it was dubbed Picnic Day. Yeah, that's right. Uh, good evening, Angela. It wasn't quite the weather that we had on the weekend, but still it didn't stop uh, quite a few people, as who we just heard from, uh, from reuniting in groups of five today outside. Uh, that didn't include uh, kids under 12 who were also able to partake in those recreational activities. It included picnics and exercise as well. Groups of five, there were quite a few strings attached. You have to be double vaccinated and you have to live within five kilometres of that area or in that or in that council area and of course you cannot be in one of those council area hot spots um, but they did get to reunite after several months apart uh, so a very special day for those people for people living outside uh, sorry inside those uh, council area hot spots they also had some restrictions slightly wound back uh, on top of the one hour of exercise that they are allowed to partake in already, uh, they can now go outside if they're fully vaccinated. Households which are fully vaccinated can now go outside for two hours of recreation. So a momentous day and it does go in with the government's latest rhetoric of that being outside is generally a safe place to be um, and also uh, did come with a warning from the government not to get complacent. Angela. Tom, there has been a bit of confusion around the easing of rules for those who aren't vaccinated. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Deputy Premier John Barilaro and our Premier Gladys Berejiklian are certainly at odds over this. Uh, the Deputy Premier broke ranks on radio this morning saying that unvaccinated people will be able to enjoy the same freedoms as vaccinated people once New South Wales does get to 80%. Uh, but uh, just a few hours later, the Premier Gladys Berejiklian overruled him. Uh, let's take a listen to these conflicting messages. If they don't want to do it, that's fine. But you might have to wait another three to four weeks after that when we get to 80% and above. I don't want people to think they can sit back, let everybody else do the hard work and then turn up when it's 80% and get everything else that vaccinated people are. Now, this is certainly not a black and white issue. Uh, uh, some businesses have already indicated that they will allow customers in who are both vaccinated and unvaccinated. And the government has already conceded, the Premier has already conceded that it may not be their decision to make. So this discussion certainly still has a very long way to go. Angela. Yeah, navigating the reopening is going to be messy. Thanks so much, Tom. The border bubble between New South Wales and Queensland has finally reopened, but not without restrictions and issues. Ben Murphy is live for us in Brisbane tonight. Ben, there's been some confusion there today. Evening, Angie. Yeah, plenty of people turned around at the border. The bubble applies to the 12 local government areas in New South Wales that border with Queensland, but people can't just come over to visit friends or family or for holidaying. There has to be an essential purpose. They have to be essential workers accessing healthcare or for school, and if they are essential workers, they have to have had at least one vaccination shot. A lot of people turned up without evidence of their vaccine shot or thinking they could just come across the border and had to be turned around. There were also quite dramatic scenes this morning when a 71-year-old collapsed after experiencing chest pains. He told Sunrise and 7 News that he'd been over in New South Wales for surgery and tried to come back into Queensland but was rejected. I've got about 300 on me so I'm, I'm alright with that for a couple of days I guess but after a couple of days runs out I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. 71 year old man, you can't get home, you've had a heart operation, your wife's there. Oh, Ron. You deserve better, hey? Yeah. Queensland Health say they haven't received an exemption request from Ronald Fenwick, but they are now working with the hospital where he was treated in order to assist him in applying if he chooses to do so. OK, Ben, and Queensland is still managing to avoid lockdown. Yes, another lockdown bullet dodged, it would seem, in the Sunshine State. We had two new cases today, both 15-year-olds, but they were detected in home quarantine and linked to existing clusters. So in the views of health authorities, these are very low risk cases. There are still dozens of exposure sites and more than a thousand families in isolation here. But for the rest of us, it's freedom for now. OK, Ben Murphy in Brisbane for us. Thank you. A vicious attack on two female police officers in Sydney today was caught on camera. The man lunged at the officers in Bankstown after they asked him to move off the road. He was later arrested at his home and is spending the night behind bars. The officers were lucky, suffering only cuts and bruises. 
The widow of a man who died after falling from a zip line has launched a multi-million dollar lawsuit against the company. 50-year-old father of three, Dean Sanderson, fell from the zip line in the Daintree Rainforest in far north Queensland in 2019. His wife, who was in a separate harness, also fell but survived her injuries. She is now suing for more than $2 million for negligence. And a man's been charged over a deadly buggy crash that killed a six-year-old girl on a property in Gippsland. Social media tributes have identified Olivia Stevens as the child who died on Saturday. Her mother wrote, It's so hard to open my eyes from a happy dream and awake to a nightmare. Damien Gibson fronted court today charged with culpable driving, allegedly losing control behind the wheel of the buggy with seven children on board. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Three sisters from Melbourne have had their long-awaited opportunity to give evidence against Malka Leifer, the school principal who they allege abused them as teenagers. Nicole, Dassey and Ellie fought for more than a decade to extradite Leifer from Israel, where she fled after the allegations emerged. Many Wax is the CEO of Voice Against Child Sexual Abuse, a charity dedicated to combating abuse in the Jewish community. Thank you for joining us. You know the victims personally. How do you think they will cope with this legal process? Well, um, thank you for the opportunity. I think what, what we need to remember is that these three courageous sisters have been battling against all odds uh, just to get to this momentous day. While it's a very difficult day for them, very challenging due to the process, I have no doubt that they're feeling very empowered and that this is their opportunity to finally obtain some semblance of justice. As you say, Manny, it has been a very long, drawn-out process to get to this point, um, both for the alleged victims and campaigners like yourself. Did you think we would get to this point? I must say I always had a sense of optimism that something was going to happen right after so many wrongs, so many obstacles. Let's not forget that uh, the Israeli Attorney General just recently uh, said that he intends to indict the former Health Minister, Rabbi Yaakov Litzman, for... Uh, involving himself in this case, uh, trying to prevent Michael Leifer from ever getting justice. So those are the types of odds uh, and, and obstacles that these courageous sisters were facing. Today was the first day of the committal hearing which took place behind closed doors. What happens next? Well, we're going to go for another week or so for the committal hearing. Uh, it's essentially to test the evidence, whether or not uh, there is sufficient evidence to uh, warrant a trial. Uh, I expect that that won't be a question. The real question will be, are they going to come to a plea deal? But ultimately, this is far from over from our perspective. It's not only about Michael Leifer. This is about the issue of child sexual abuse more broadly in society and in the Jewish community in particular. It's about intimidation. It's about cover-ups. It's about lack of accountability. So we certainly hope that justice will prevail. Um, you said there that there may be a plea deal. Do you know if the sisters would prefer that so it's over quickly now that we've got to this point or would they prefer to have their day in court? 
I want to make it clear that I'm not speaking on their behalf today because obviously they're not allowed to make any comment. Uh, all I can say is that in my case personally, where I was sexually abused, we certainly all preferred to get to a situation where there is a plea deal, that the matter will be closed, so you don't have to be cross-examined once again in trial to endure again, the, to relive uh, the trauma that you experienced. Those are very difficult experiences that any victim and survivor endures through a legal process. Okay, many wax in Melbourne. Thanks so much for your time tonight. There is international concern right now after North Korea tested a new long-range missile capable of hitting Japan. According to analysts, these are the country's first weapons that could carry a nuclear warhead. North Korea is in the grip of an economic crisis which has led to food shortages. Meanwhile, Australia and South Korea's foreign and defence ministers have held talks in Seoul this evening about bolstering security ties, strategic communication and the pandemic recovery plan. It's part of a four-nation tour by Maurice Payne and Peter Dutton, which also includes India, Indonesia and the US. Prince Andrew is hours away from learning whether his sexual assault lawsuit in the US will go ahead. US correspondent David Boywood is live for us in New York where the pre-trial proceedings are taking place. David, the decision about whether the case will proceed comes down to a legal technicality. Good evening, Angela. Yes, uh, lawyers for Prince Andrew have said that these court documents requiring his response to these child sex allegations have not been properly served on the Duke. Now, we know that the senior royal has really been in hiding ever since uh, this court case was filed here in New York City by American-Australian woman Virginia Dufresne. Uh, she, uh, she has claimed that Prince Andrew sexually assaulted her when she was just 17 years old at a property in London. She claims that she was taken there by a close associate of Jeffrey Epstein, of course, a convicted pedophile and a former close ally and friend of Prince Andrew. Now, Miss Dufresne's lawyers have said that they served those crucial court documents on a senior security official at Prince Andrew's Windsor mansion, but because they were not put directly into the hand of the Duke, his legal team have said he's not been properly served. It is a technicality, uh, but it is one that his team is now looking to exploit. And David, do we know if lawyers for Prince Andrew will actually be in New York for the hearing? Well, that still remains uh, to be unseen at this stage, Ange. This case has been set down for this afternoon. It is a civil case. It will be a teleconference uh, later this afternoon. But in the past few hours, reports have started to emerge uh, from the United Kingdom that perhaps the, prince, uh, the Prince's legal team may even boycott uh, this hearing today. Now, that does pose something of a dilemma for Prince Andrew. Uh, if, he, if he decides not to take part in this case, a judgment could be find, uh, found against him uh, by default. But if he does decide to fight these allegations, well, of course, he could be subjecting himself to what could be years of protect, uh, pro uh, protracted, sordid uh, headlines throughout the media. So he perhaps doesn't want to drag this uh, through the courts for too long. Of course, Prince Andrew has uh, denied any wrongdoing in this case. He has maintained his innocence. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see what his legal team does this afternoon. Yes, it'll be very interesting. Meantime, Prince Harry, well, he's pairing up with a very high profile name tonight for a good cause. 
Yeah, a little bit of a change of gear here for the royal family, but Prince Harry, he will be joining forces with Dr Jill Biden, the First Lady. The two struck up a friendship a number of years uh, years back, uh, centering on uh, both their work with uh, returned injured servicemen and women. Of course, Prince Harry uh, with the Invictus Games and Dr Jill Biden with the Warrior Games. Now, later tonight, they will both be uh, hosting this virtual event for Warrior Games athletes. Uh, these are uh, families and participants in those games. Very sadly for many of those athletes, this year's event had to be cancelled. So they'll be hosting this event tonight, uh, both Prince Harry and the First Lady back together. Ange? Okay, US correspondent David Woywood in New York. Thanks so much. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. financial boost for the country, Australia is going to play a key part in Microsoft's launch into the trillion dollar tech space race as home to new satellite ground stations. Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton joins us now. Gemma, what will these stations be used for? Well, and right now there are more satellites in space than there have been at any time before and that number out there in space continues to grow uh, simply because so many industries and businesses are finding ways to utilise images and data that's captured out there. Now, when the images and data are captured out there, they need to be uh, brought back here and processed so they can be used. Obviously, the quicker you bring them back, the quicker they can be processed and utilised. If you're dealing with a long-term phenomenon like climate change, losing a few minutes doesn't really matter when you're bringing the data back. If you're dealing with something like tracking a bushfire, every second counts. So for the satellites that are placed close to Australia, uh, having these ground stations here means that data will be able to come back to Australian ground stations be processed really quickly, which will save a lot of time instead of sending it to a remote data station somewhere uh, by internet, which can really slow things down. And Microsoft is becoming quite a player in the space industry. Yeah, they absolutely are. So it's great for us here in Australia because they've just signed a partnership with the, or a preliminary partnership with the Australian Space Agency to collaborate on more work going forward. Microsoft has also just taken up space at Lot 14, which is a tech hub in Adelaide. So you have a lot of local startups working there, but also teams from Google, Amazon, Nokia, big global players. As an industry, uh, globally, space represents a huge opportunity. There's so much more interest in it. Uh, they're estimating it will get to be worth $1.3 trillion over the next 20 years. Here in Australia, the Australian Space Agency is looking at creating 20,000 new jobs by the end of the decade, and then having space contribute about uh, $12 billion a year to our economy. Until now, uh, we've been quite slow uh, about it. If you look at the G20, so 20 of the, the biggest developed countries in the world, Australia ranked 18th in terms of how much of our budget we contribute to, to developing our space programs. Uh, but the Australian Space Agency just started in 2018, and since then there has been more focus on it. Getting uh, support from someone like Microsoft to come here and work with us is a huge thing. And it really matters because apart from the obvious industries like defence and communications, industries that are really core to our economy, such as construction, agriculture, mining, can all really benefit from what we can capture now on these satellites in space. And those are massive numbers you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. OK, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Andrew. 
Retired NRL star Sam Burgess has finally come clean about his affair on the opening night of Seven's SAS Who Dares Wins. The former Rabbitohs player and coach opened up during an interrogation by the SAS instructors, saying he knew he'd cause pain to his loved ones. I don't think I was a great husband at times. Um, I embarrassed my wife. Yeah, I had, a, I had an affair with a girl, a woman in, in Melbourne. Yeah, it's true. You know, I was away. I was away on tour, and um, regretfully that happened. Which would have been um, a tough place for Phoebe to be. New South Wales is barrelling ahead with plans to open international borders potentially as early as November once the 80% vaccination target is met and a trial of home quarantine has been completed. CEO of the Tourism and Transport Forum, Margie Osman, joins me for more on this. Margie, we've been here before. Is this going to happen? <laughs> Could we see international arrivals and departures at least in some states by November? I have a happy, warm feeling about this one, Angela. Uh, I think we could be looking at, yes, some overseas travel by November, December. Uh, it might still be fairly close to home in that first range, so it might be New Zealand again, which is likely to open to vaccinated travellers without the bubble. Uh, it could be Singapore, it could be Japan. It might, even by December, possibly be London. We'll see. Scott Morrison says he'd like to get all of those thousands of Australians stranded overseas home by Christmas, but he said that last Christmas too. Do you think we can do it? There are thousands of people over in the UK and around the world. Well, look, I think the difference is now that the two most popular states, Victoria and New South Wales, have come to a different headspace on how we manage COVID. Uh, and the fact that there's a major quarantine review, which is going to give us uh, a lot more options than previously, all of this makes me think, yes, I think this is going to be a much happier Christmas than last year. But there are still some things to be sorted. For example, whose vaccinations will we accept for travellers coming into Australia? You know, will we accept Chinese vaccinations? Will we accept Indian ones? There's a whole range of questions still to be answered before we've got a wider look at what travel looks like and people coming back to Australia. So would you be arguing on behalf of the um, tourism body that we do accept people who've had the Chinese vaccine because at the moment we're getting the impression that it's going to be AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, the vaccines that we've approved here. Well, look, I'm not a medical person and that really is a decision for government. But the issue with it is it can't wait too much longer to be decided because, after all, where do you spend your marketing dollar to bring those international travellers in from overseas if you don't know whose vaccinations are going to be accepted? Um, the government is obviously in very extended talks with a range of countries around the world, as we've heard last week, uh, to, to arrange for our vaccines to be uh, accepted and, uh, you know, fine for travelling into those countries. And that's the sort of baseline stuff that now needs to be dealt with. So how difficult will it be? I mean, it's one thing to say, OK, airlines, you can come back into Australia, um, but we've locked them out for 18 months. What are the challenges here? 
Well, there are huge challenges, and it's not just because we've been in lockdown, because the rest of the world is opening up. Uh, Aeroplanes are in huge demand all over the world, so we lost a lot of them from routes that would have been coming into Australia. It's going to take significant work and significant funding to get those routes back in, so there is travel capacity. That's going to be vital. Uh, Then we need to figure out exactly how the airports are going to work when those people are coming in and we've got much more traffic. So lots of basic kind of arrangements to understand. And then if you're going to be travelling overseas, it's going to be a very different process to what you're used to in the past. There'll be lots of checking. You'll have to get pre-tested. You'll have to be conscious of what the rules are in any country you're going through. Not impossible, but just different. So when do you see international travel to and from Australia going back to how it was before COVID? That might take a bit longer because I think one of the things that we have learned about COVID, you only got to look at states like Israel, uh, which is, you know, one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. Well, they've had to go down into lockdown again. And you have countries like Denmark who've just done away with all of their restrictions, no vaccination, uh, passes nothing. So it's going to be a case of different countries and how they respond to things. But I wouldn't have thought we're going to see travel as we knew it much before the end of next year. But there'll be options. We'll all be able to get away and, more to the point, see people we love and welcome them back to Australia. Mm, I like the sound of that. Okay, thanks so much, Margie Osman. Thank you. Both these animals can receive a bad rap, but a dog-bird duo on the Gold Coast is gaining quite the following online. Molly, Molly, the rescued magpie, and Peggy, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, are putting smiles on faces around the world tonight. Peggy's owners explain how this special relationship came to be. It started one day when we went walking to our local park. It was during the day, nobody was around, and Reese just um, came across a little baby bird wandering around. And he came back and he said, oh, there's a bird, oh, what should we do? And so we stayed around for a while to see if the parents were there or if it fell out of the nest. And we saw the parents there, but they weren't interested in having anything to do with her. So we just sort of, Reese knelt down to see if the bird was okay. And um, she ran up his, his arm and rested on his shoulder. Reese had to go to work, so I was left sort of with this magpie and this dog. One day I was doing my art and I looked down and the two of them were just lying there together on the floor. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I'm like videoing and taking photos and I rang Reese and I said, you never guess what happened. And then since then, yeah, they were just snuggle in together. Peggy would lie here, Molly would lie right next to her. Just beautiful. Um, But it's almost like they're best friends as well. So it's just, yeah, they are inseparable. Now Gemma Acton's back with a look at the markets. Thanks, Anne. Well, a mixed day across the region while Japan's Nikkei finished higher. Here at home, we were more or less flat while Hong Kong sank. Shares there were hit by fears over further moves the Beijing government could make to impact China's biggest technology companies, following rumours regulators are looking to break up Alipay, which is a payments app with more than 1 billion users. Wall Street is looking a little perkier, with the S&P hoping to break last week's cycle of five straight sessions of losses. Oil continues to climb, with much supply still offline. That is nearly two weeks after Hurricane Ida hit the Gulf of Mexico. And the Aussie dollar is inching higher, now buying around 73.6 US cents. Ange. Thank you, Jem. Thank you for your company this evening from the team here at 7 News. That is the latest. I'm Angela Cox. Good night.